You're listening to the Saturday Morning D&D Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. Uh, my name is Jordan with the silent PH in the middle, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Um, it is a very hostful episode as I am back, not not uh, uh, disappeared from, from uh, the world. But I hear we had a good show with Danimal last week, so. I feel like it was a pretty good show. I hope everybody else did. We uh, got to dive into Dungeon of the Mad Mage quite a bit, and uh, I even got a bunch of questions from comments and stuff with other people that were running it and talking about it, too, so it oh, seemed yeah. relevant still, so that was good. Did you uh, did you guys have your big hash out about that that room that you hated, and we finally got all the, the deep yeah. dirt? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah, and he... You know, I kind of explained my part of it, and he kind of understood it, and he kind of understood from the way it was written, and, you know, it was just one of those things. And even for me, I just kept saying, you know, had you thrown me a saving throw in there at any one point, my brain never even would have thought to argue the whole point. But right. once I couldn't do it, I was just like, I, I couldn't get my brain out of that. I just got taken out of it, and I just was, you know. But uh, we got through it, and we had a lot of fun, and... Um, it's been a good campaign, so yeah, yeah. No, I mean that that I'm, I would say hiccup, but I wouldn't even want to call it that. Yeah. Uh, the the stories and camaraderie that you guys have going through Dungeon of the Mage Mage so far, mm-hmm. um, you're fine. Like <laughs> you're not. This is yeah. not what you're gonna think of when you finish that campaign. <laughs> no, but it but was it an interesting reinforce. topic of conversation. And it reinforced that we want the badges. That if you make it all the way through, oh, yeah. you don't give up. You get all the way through. We want the Dungeon of the Mad Mage badge. Oh, I need it. I wonder if I just start a Kickstarter for those. If Wizards would sue me, like I don't know. That's what I was wondering. Like, like could we just? The, you know, I know there's certain companies like uh, Nintendo's very sue happy, and if there mm-hmm. and there's certain Kickstarters that'll appear that are very Nintendo safe but adjacent, and then Nintendo smashes it down. But that one, I'm like, what if I just, what if I just stole the logo for Storm King's Thunder, and right. made patches for it? <laughs> like, well, and there are lots of people that use or do merchandise deals with them. I wonder what it actually means if you were to try to do a merchandise deal with them to say, hey, we would like to make badges. We'd like to use yeah. some of this artwork. Is there a deal there? Is it too hard? Is it too expensive to do it that way? Or is, are they like, well, yeah, we can license you for this, and we get two percent of that and yeah you're good to go I, don't, I have no idea i've never never understood but there must be lots of people out there because you see so much dd stuff how are they getting the license right how are they not getting well sued? they have money i think i don't that have could money, be so that could be um <laughs> jordan's the, rich that's what I've i think i think we're we're clearly interested uh or having an interesting conversation because the chat is talking about the difference between uh, Fahrenheit and Celsius and how cold it is. So, oh, so uh, clearly okay. this is the topic of conversation. Um, just so everybody knows, I am getting over a little bit of a cough. It is uh, not COVID, but if I mute myself randomly, that is that is why. Um, but yeah. So we didn't get to talk about this last week because I wasn't here, but I wanted to bring it up about Vox Machina, which mm-hmm. is the Amazon TV show. Apparently there was some controversy um, because of... Like the Kickstarter, it was supposed to be free for not free, but like the people who kickstarted it, the first season is supposed to be available to them. Um, but now it's being available through Amazon, and you can only watch it if you have Prime. But those people were allowed to sign up for like a free month of Prime to get it. Uh, I don't really understand, but it's one of those things where 
you know, you you can't be upset at a Kickstarter because they can just take your money and run. And, and you know, like right. they could promise the moon. And then when they don't deliver, it's like, well, it's kind of on you for backing them. And I hate mm-hmm. to say that out loud because I, I do think that if you're investing in the, a Kickstarter, there should be some accountability. Uh, but this is one of those things where I'm like, they are technically providing it to you for... Uh, or allowing you to have access without a paywall, but at the same time, Amazon's just like, well, no, we we want money. Like, mm-hmm. get those people signed up for Amazon Prime. So, I don't know. <laughs> and that's a weird one because they do the Kickstarter before Amazon Prime's involved. Oh, yeah. And then Amazon Prime gets involved after the fact. So, exactly. almost takes over that project in a way, but yet it was kickstarted by the audience so yeah it's i could see how no and and that yeah exactly like we're having i mean you you kind of you're it. in this weird area where you're just like yeah. ooh, the fans but then they're mm-hmm. a million dollar multi-million dollar company at this point mm-hmm. uh i i can't imagine that they're not making deals you know and then people think it's like oh it must be like matt and travis sitting down with amazon hashing it out and i'm like i mean I think there's a lot of lawyers that are sending emails back and forth and, and then someone goes to Matt and Travis and say, this is what we want to do because it's the best financial blah, blah, blah. And they're like, okay. So like, I don't know. Creative people are not necessarily the best business people, if that makes sense. And uh, I think they're allowing the business people to make the decisions, but here's are the thing they, I'll I say, are they alienating their fan base by doing this? I guess oh, that's the well, big question. Hmm. They'll be fine. One thing you said there, though, Matt and and Travis. Travis. Actually, I saw executive producers was Matt and um, Scanlon. Um, oh, I'm sure. So Travis is the it was, C- CEO. Or, yeah, it was of Travis and Role, it was Travis so. and and uh, Scanlon, not Matt. So I was thinking maybe Matt might not have a lot. Maybe he didn't care or didn't want to be. Or he's busy. You know, like doing he's doing stuff. voices and yeah. he's doing it, but he's like, I'm not, I don't want to run any of that yeah. stuff. Somebody else run that. And I think that's where Travis stepped up. And um, why can't I remember? What's his name? Um, Sam. Sam. Yeah. Uh, you kept saying Scanlon. Like, yeah, I know. Okay. Yeah, it's because I could only remember. <laughs> but yeah, their two names are on the executive producers. Nobody else's was, which was interesting. I hmm. thought that was a. So uh, we we were just talking before the show. I've only seen the first three episodes, which I hit my mic. That's not good. Uh, Which I've only seen the first three episodes, which I watched last week. I haven't seen these. The the next three are out, I think. Uh, You've watched a little bit farther than me. I watched two more last night, and I felt like all of them were out now. Like, it seemed like there was even more than three, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, Oh, and Nathan says Sam is a producer in real life. So this was just, like, a role he knew, and he... He like stepped up to it. Okay, that's good to know. That makes sense to me. Yeah, it he does make has a lot the of business sense. Yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what are your thoughts on the show? Do you, are you liking it? Are well, you, I did were, mine did you, last wh- week. I want to hear yours first. I want I want the our audience to hear Jordan's. Yeah. Takes. So I I don't know Vox Machina very well, um, other than I know <laughs> Scanlan, I guess, and Grog. <laughs> Those are the two characters that I knew. And then it was weird because I kept thinking, like, isn't Jester? No, Jester isn't in this. And, like, <laughs> that's my iconic critical role character in my head. But I was like, okay, Second that's a season two. campaign. Second yeah. campaign, yeah. So I was like, okay, I haven't listened. And that's actually, I started when I was 
earnestly trying to get through Critical Role, I started with Campaign 2 because I'm like, okay, it's brand new. I'm going to go through it kind of a thing. Um, but everyone tells me Campaign 1 is better. I uh, haven't even touched Campaign 3. I haven't listened to anything of it. Uh, although uh, Matthew Lillard was on, apparently. Ah. I saw some pictures of him. I think a Beetle and Grimm's Critical Role thing is happening. So he was guest starring on the show, I uh, which is really cool. I like Matthew Lillard a lot. He's fun. Um, I like it. It, the animation is that new, uh, like the Dragon Prince, and I don't know. It's that new type of animation where it's like pseudo anime. Does that make sense? I yeah. I, I was thinking like the Netflix anime because Netflix yeah, has done a bunch of shows with this style. That is a that is a perfect way of putting it. Netflix anime is what it feels like, yeah. and I don't dislike it at all. No, but it didn't stand out as a separate show to me. I was kind of like, oh, like I really wanted the art style to be like, when I watch it, I'm like, oh, that's Critical Role kind of a thing. But uh, it's not bad by any means. It's like, it's Mm-mm. it's fun. Um, and in my mind, the 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 joy of the, sh- of the Critical Role as a actual play podcast show to watch is to see the little... Uh, to, to peer behind the curtain, if you will. And so that is the fun, I think, where you have this, like, really awesome story, but then at the same time, you have them being like, oh, like, I rolled a one, or I did this, or um, fumbling to figure out, like, what to use. And this is very much just a narrative story in the world of Tal'Dorei. I was thinking we would get more... Um, like behind the scenes D and D things, uh, you know, like not just references to, Oh, he's got Bigsby's hand or, Oh, uh, you know, so-and-so can turn into a wolf or, uh, Grog says, I would like to rage and things like that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. And it's weird. Cause I was watching it and I'm like, I don't know what I was expecting, but it, it had, it didn't hit the mark for me, but I think I'm also not the target audience. And overall, I'm going to keep watching because I found it enjoyable enough to keep watching. And I want to know where this story is going. So mm-hmm. um, I, I I don't know. I liked it. I like the characters. Ironically, Scanlan is my least favorite, I think, <laughs> which is weird because I think he's everyone's favorite. and He's the comic relief. But I was like, yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. He was not the one that I, I just didn't like that character as much. This rendition of him, I just was not. Yeah, I was not in. So what about the comp- uh, comparing you watched episode one, two, and three. Any yeah. comparisons there as far as how it starts versus how three kind of ends up? Um, yeah, one and two very much feel like a pilot where it's like we're gonna we're gonna really invest this. Um, but that's fine because that's what it is. It is a pilot mm-hmm. show, um, and every show, a lot of shows have a rocky start kind of a thing. And I don't even mm-hmm. want to call this a rocky start. It just felt like a pilot. Um, yeah. But I think as the popularity goes and as the team maybe allows some other writers to come in and and kind of tweak and work it, it might be it might it might explode in a way that I have not seen. Uh, arguably, it's one of the coolest fantasy shows out there. And I don't know. I I really did like Grog, though. And I feel like that yeah, was Grog's awesome. I think that was the underlying uh, D&D jokes that I wanted was his little aside commentary and I can't even think of it right now because it's been a while but like they would say stuff and he would he would drop the the real world like oh but I I thought he was a bird or something I don't know I 
I'm not. I should have written it down, but I really liked his comment. He has the best jokes. I think he like, has his the jokes best. were very good, and they were very yeah. deadpan. And I love yeah. deadpan serious jokes like that. Uh, and it was fun. The swearing was a little out of place for me, and I'm not against swearing, but when I see this, like, fanciful blah, 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 and then they're just like, oh, F-bomb, uh, it's something to get used to, but I think that's also on brand for them. Like, that's part of their world, is that they have, they and they are this, like, really crude adventuring company, so. Mm-hmm. Um, see, and I didn't, I never picked that up watching them play. They they sort of did it, but for whatever reason, it didn't stand out to me as much as it does in the show. Mm. Because it's spaced out by them being goofy. And like you said, oh, I rolled a one. Or them having, you know, cool and fun banter amongst each other and listening to Matt. Then maybe somebody has, you know, they might say an F word to this person. Or, you know, they might say something to their, like... Um, you know, something Scanlon does that's pretty, pretty yeah. racy. But it's so far in between that my brain never picked up on it that it was that it, it was a big deal in the show they're happening back to back to back to back to i'm like i don't think you'd let kids watch this show this isn't really a kids yeah. anime cartoon yeah well you and like, i don't think it is they Oliver i don't think they, they decided it to be like that <laughs> yeah well we, and um, that's what we found out we did a little research in, in last week's show and they amazon wanted an adult show they did not want oh, okay. a kids cartoon so that was one of the things they did. So, but I was just surprised because that's not the group I thought they were. And yet that is kind of the group they are. So, you know, and that's okay. Um, I felt like the first two episodes were kind of disjointed, kind of rocky. I didn't really like any of them, like any of the characters. Grog was about the only one. But even then I was like, am I going to really want to watch these? Because if you don't like the characters, why would you watch the show? But it wasn't till episode three that they finally found, okay, here's the storyline we're going to tell. Yeah. Here's the thing we're going to do. This whole thing about Percy's story that we're going to put front and center. Yeah. Really brought it together for yeah. me. And then you get to the next two episodes and they keep moving on this. And now I feel better about the show than I did yeah. say last week when I watched it, because now it feels a little bit more. Cohesive. Yeah. Third episode was really good. Uh, I mean, vampires. Like, I just like vampire villains. And I think that was Matt doing the voice of him, right? I'm like, thinking. Although like, I believe they did bring a lot of people. No, they did. Voices, I know they did. But, but yeah, I was I think it's. I was I trying to pick young. it out. And it's like, it's weird now that I'm like trying to like pick out different voice actors. But uh, yeah. I, yeah. No, third episode was fun. Um, I'm, I'm curious where it's going to go. And, and I think there was another, this is my last like problem i'm gonna say but uh one of the reasons that i don't think i like scanlon's character is everyone else is treating it really serious like the world is serious and yes they're like we're gonna get drunk and we're gonna do this um and i the the twins specifically you have these twin uh elf half elf people and they're very serious uh and and then and liam's character like very serious and stuff and then over there you have scanlon who feels like Sam is just making jokes at the table, but now they've turned that into a character that is very uh, the opposite of the rest of the world, you know, where it's like, we're all kind of, I don't know, but does that make sense? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He feels out of place to me for sure. <clears throat> He's not the audience stand in. Like I thought he might be. And his jokes are more modern Whereas the show is a fantasy, high fantasy show. 
Yeah, I feel like he's going to walk out with an fantasy. electric guitar or something at yeah, some yeah, point. It's like, that doesn't fit fantasy. in the world of Tadori in my mind, but I also yeah. don't know the world of Tadori, so maybe it does fit. And I, yeah. you know, so. And I liked his character throughout watching the, the real play show, and I liked Grog and probably, you know, Vex and Vax. They were all pretty cool characters. But right now, and I hated. I don't know. I don't want to say hated. That's a strong word. I didn't like Percy so much in when they played it the way Talison had played it. But now, the way they get to write out his dialogue and the way they get to show his facial expressions and the character art they've done for Percy, I'm really invested in that character for sure. I love everything that's happening. So now he's my favorite, and he's the one with the gun. As far as being funny, he's the yeah yeah yeah. He has the gun. He's the one that wants to go back to Whitestone. Because his family is, you know, it got taken yeah. from his family, the, the Rolos. And like, I, now I'm into it. I wouldn't, I couldn't even have told you that much because I didn't pay attention to his character or character art because I liked some of the other characters. But now that I'm watching the show, I'm like really into his Rolo family and how these people have come in, subsumed his town and city. And, you know, this mm-hmm. is an interesting thing. Yeah. Um, I, and uh, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but I, uh... Uh, new new campaigns are popping up in my life and I've been uh, thinking about a lot of different characters and I definitely am leaning towards one that is a lot like Percy. I'm like, I really want like a gunslinger kind of magic investigator person. And, and it's because of that episode. I was like, he is, it's really cool. It, it so. was really cool. It was really cool. And I can't wait to see him really get their get more of the stuff they're known for the bigger gun. I think he eventually gets a bigger gun and he has a couple of different ones he could use. And, and all the action seems pretty cool and fun. Um, I was still having, like you said, in the very, in the very first part, I wasn't necessarily at this point linking this show to dungeons and dragons though. Yeah. It's a fantasy show and it could be like the dragon prince. It could be like um, Castlevania on Netflix. It could be like any one of these other fun and cool. And I like to watch them shows, but I didn't think, Oh, this is quintessential D and D while I was watching it. Just like when I watched arcane, I was like, look at all the stuff they're bringing in from League of legends. This is so legal. Yeah. yeah. Like every little callback to the art style and the buildings and the, and all the characters that were in there. And I was just like, Oh, little, little things here and there. I wasn't getting that yet from, from this show. So I wouldn't, I couldn't say to somebody, Hey, you like D and D Hey, go watch this show. And that's what D and D is. That's a good way you know of putting I mean? it. Cause you're right. If I, if I'm like, Oh, I, I want to know what D and D is. I wouldn't say, well, go watch Vox Machina. Like, um, yeah. but if you enjoy critical role, I would say, go watch Vox Machina. Go watch so it. it's, this is, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. This is a fan service to me. It feels like perfectly made for the fans of Critical Role already. Mm-hmm. I don't know about fans who have never heard of Critical Role. Yeah, I wonder if it'll bring in what they more D and D fans. Yeah, yeah, what they would think of it. I, I, I will say that I uh, speaking of Arcane, um, which was a really good Arcane. series too. But oh like, I hope that that these being popular and doing really well, like Arcane did really well. Uh, Vox Machina seems like it's blowing up because of the Kickstarter and stuff that. We do get more, um, hey, we have this world. Let me tell a story in it. Kind of like, yeah. I want to do a 10-episode, uh, and I, I guess this doesn't count because they made a Warcraft movie, but like I'm going to make a 10-episode World of Warcraft show or something. Um, but in that vein, I would love if they just made new characters and did like an Eberron 10-episode series. 
it yeah. like arcane like that's yeah. when i was watching arcane i just kept thinking Lean like, into the world of Eberron. if this is really popular producers are going to start looking out and they're going to be like well mm -hmm. what do you got it's like well we've got this cool like like arcane kind of world called eberron with warforged robots and blah blah, blah. oh cool i'm going to tell a story there and then yeah. we get a really cool 10 episode thing and same with like vox machina like vox machina is doing really well and they're just like oh well let's do like a forgotten realm story or let's do this uh mm -hmm. and not that i want that over vox machina or anything but i it's one of those ideas that i really like that uh, it's kind of like when Star Wars came out and it was so popular that all these people were like, we got to make Star Wars-y kind of things. And we got some really bad stuff out of that, but we also got some really fun stuff out of that, you know? And mm -hmm. and the world of uh, just that people were like, wow, I really like this sci-fi fantasy kind of thing. And then producers, be, you know, going out and making new content. So I, yeah. I have high hopes that we'll get more shows like this, which I think is a good thing. So Yeah, and I think... Arcane and using this style of animation can still tell a better D&D story than we can live action, I think. Because for... Yeah, and that movie still We can do out, a so. lot of good effects, but we're still just not there that I think a cool live action... I still think it'd be hard to do a live action D&D show that would just blow people away. Um, because there's just so many things and effects that you have to do, I think that would be quintessential... Yeah, you know, Dungeon of the Mad Mage. If that was the movie that was coming out, how do you do that quintessential? You can definitely do it with the anime and the over-the-top type fighting and the the quick moves and the way you can artistically show sword fighting and bow fighting yeah. and spell slinging and all the stuff and, and creatures that are just unimaginable versus trying to do that live and then have green screen crazy monsters that don't quite fit with the characters or whatever. I know some, some groups have been able to pull obviously like a, you know, those big companies can pull that kind of stuff off, but I don't know. I think this style, you could put out a couple of really good Dungeons and Dragons centric stories. You could do a Dragonlance story. You could do a Forgotten Realms story, like a very, you could do Drist for sure in this Mo this type of art style, yeah. arcane art style, yeah. and nail D and D. I'm sure. Yeah, it would be. It would Ed be really interesting. Justice, right? You know. So, I'm excited. At least we're getting it. I like it. If you're a Critical Role fan, I do not miss it. I'm sure you won't because you're a Critical Role fan. I think I would have liked a show about Campaign Two more than I want to see a show about Campaign One. But episode three started to change my mind, and episode four and five has pulled me in. So okay, I don't cool. want to spoil a bunch yeah. for everybody, but I think if you can stick through three, four, and five, I think you'll really start to really get into it. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm my my goal is to watch it. Uh, I'm I'm busy for a long time, but <laughs> uh, and it's funny. Uh, we were talking before the show. Like I've been playing so much Super Smash Brothers on the Switch <laughs> that. Last night I was like, oh, I should really watch like the 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 latest episodes because of the show tomorrow. We're probably going to talk about it, and then I ended up playing like ninety minutes of Switch. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Sometimes you need a video game break, though. Uh, um, but speaking of Critical Role, uh, Nether Deep, Call of the Nether Deep, which is an adventure slash source book. I think they're I think Wizards of the Coast is having more luck with those, where it's mm -hmm. like uh, kind of like. Uh, Van Richten's Guide, where it's like a little bit source book, but a lot of like adventure stuff as well. Um, that hybrid model that they've been doing. Uh, mm -hmm. That's coming out May 15th. And then Monster... 
Monsters of the Multiverse, which is out if you buy all three of them, now. but not out if because uh, you have to wait until May, <laughs> which is a ridiculously long time. I don't understand why we're waiting so long for that book. Um, that there that a, just boggles me. It's really yeah. frustrating. There's uh, a quick question in chat just before yeah. we keep going there. Um, they said, what if I've never really watched any of the Critical Role real play, haven't really bounced off it completely? Is this a, would you recommend watching this anime show? And I say, if you like the Netflix type animes, like that Castlevania, Arcane, um, Dragon Prince, some of these types of newer, newish animes that have been coming out, and you don't like, you don't mind um, probably the cursing and some of the, the little bit more raciness, then yeah, I think it's a great show for anybody to watch, you know, and binge watch and, and have a good time. I don't think you have to go back and try to watch all the real plays to get anything out of the show more than it is. They did a so really good job of like setting it up. You don't have to do that. Yeah. yeah I, I, I feel like I don't know all the characters, but uh, I definitely understood all of the characters uh, by the third episode. You're like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, you're this. And so, uh, and that's what they wanted, right? They wanted yeah. just a to tell a story with these characters. It's not necessarily mm. like... Like I, I think I read the one of the Vox Machina comics that Matt Colville wrote, and that was the same thing. Like I didn't need to know those characters. You just you start reading and you enjoy the characters and you you get to know them and mm-hmm. stuff. So yeah, I don't think you need to be a fan to watch it. Uh, and I definitely, if you're interested in fantasy stuff, like give it a shot. Like why not? Oh, I did have one question for you. Did you think the show was going to take place in the timeline that we're in? I don't know what timeline we're in. Okay, so you had no idea what when they what talked about it? doing the show when they because I had heard and I had thought when this was coming out it was stories about before oh, their role play session before started. the role play started. Um, That's what I kept hearing. No, I so I, I thought it was that. just going to be an adventure with those characters. Um, so I I didn't think there was going to be any like uh. Yeah, I, I thought if you were like, if you listen to the show, you would be familiar with the characters, but here's a new adventure with those characters. The, yeah, that was they're my, doing the show story. Yeah, yeah but I, I don't have anything to back that up, you know? Yeah. Like, it's kind of like how, uh, I don't know, like, you remember, like, TV shows, and then they would do the TV movie, and it would be, like, canon, but not canon? That's kind of <laughs> how I thought this was. But, okay, yeah. uh, but I don't know, so. No, this is, this is following the storyline like you can go back and watch them play through this part that they're talking oh okay. so it's right in right in it cool well, so. there you go. my cat is destroying my chair all right so yeah march 15th call of the nether deep we'll get another critical role book and may 17th monster the Ma- i also think they did this call of the nether deep to capitalize a little bit on the amazon show dropping oh yeah in january here we have a book we can throw out our first book of the year for Wizards. So of the I Coast. wonder if Monsters of the Tie Multiverse was supposed to be March, but then they like I don't know. They maybe they wanted to do yeah. a little tie-in. I could see that. So, um, all right, yeah. So other other news that we saw out there. I saw on Twitter rolling around. You can probably go to their website. The feet survey. Did you fill out the feet survey, sir? I didn't. I haven't filled out a survey in a while, um, <gasps> but. I think the last one I tried to fill out, it was so long. It's and long. I was just like, Ugh. But what is this one about? Is it is it like literally rank every feat in D&D? I haven't taken this one yet, quite oh. yet either. I know um, 
I was hearing some talk about it and they are just talking about the types of feats and which ones you like and which ones you didn't like. And um, I think what they're trying to figure out is a big part of it was, did you like the ASI being tied to a feat in the thing that it did in the feat? Yeah. Versus maybe something being separate or how often should you get them? Do you use them in your campaign? Does your dungeon master not use them in the campaign? Because they are technically optional in the player's handbook. I don't think the feat is a... Feats are, you know, feed is an optional rule. Um, right. And you're right. It does like replace your uh, ASI, your ability score improvement. But I found that I don't like... If, if we're rolling stats, then it's always like, oh, I might as well take a feat because I have really good stats already. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the compromise I've been having is that I really like that you reward feats to players... So it's like, you know what? You're getting really good with a crossbow. Take this. Or like, I noticed this about you kind of a thing. Um, Or just allowing people to take a feat at a certain level. Uh, That's been better for me to do Mm -hmm. um, rather than, I don't know. And, And the latest campaign that I was pitching, I said everybody could have a free feat at first level because I wanted them to feel like heroes. And so you are like way better than other people because you, and, and that is reflected mechanically by having this feat. Uh, so there's, right. there's lots of homebrew ways to do it, but actually following like the optional rule wizards, D and D stuff. Uh, I don't, I don't really like how feats are implemented and, and yeah. the power difference of them. Like, you know, certain feats are like, Oh, that's like, that kind of adds to my character and other feats are like, this literally changes everything about how my character works and so Mm -hmm. i like um that it allows you to customize your character away from anybody that shares the same class as you right so yeah me and you are a fighter but we pick different feats that's the thing that makes us stand apart a lot plus a lot of times your subclass can do that too but sometimes the difference between champion and, and you know um, battlemaster, you're seeing some things there. But a lot of stuff is is completely the same. But if all of a sudden you take like you know two handed weapon master and I take you know uh, sharpshooter for longbow, we have two very different fighters at that point. You know, so I like the idea that feats can help you get your character to that image that you thought about in your head when you're trying to get them there because the class might not have the exact thing that you need to say, Hey, I'm trying to make Iron Man here and I need this thing to get me this, this kind of cool. I need to do this fly. I need this repulsor thing. I need this. And I can get those with feet sometimes and and plug them in and, and make the thing I want and have that sit in my class. So I think they're important. I wish they were a part of the game normally, not just optional. Um, every game I've played cheap. has implemented them, though. Yeah, and, every DM typically. And likes BK them. Dan just points out, like, if it's optional, why is it open in Adventure League? And I don't have an yeah. answer for that, other than I'm sure the Adventure League, uh, like, council of liches got together and said, said we beats, will beats. allow this because that's how Adventure League works. Um, yeah. But you're right, like it, it, it does say I think that it is an optional rule, but I don't know anyone who doesn't allow it Uh, some people might limit certain ones um and i was just thinking about feats the other day because i was looking at a list of them and there are certain feats that are they're so cool but they uh if your if your dm is not using the rules that make them cool then they fall flat and specifically like spell sniper says you ignore 
uh, three quarters and half cover. But I don't play in games where my DM has been utilizing that. You know, Ooh, you need to play in my so. game then. <laughs> and then because uh, Danimal does it. <laughs> the the feat that lets you use your weapon as a focus, as an arcane focus. Yeah. I've never had that either. Like I played my Eldritch Knight Warforged, and I just cast spells, and we never yeah, thought about like, cares. well, does he have his wand out? Like, oh yeah, I probably would need a feat to do that. So sometimes in those cases, I wish that it was. Uh, like if my if my DM was using those rules, I wish mm-hmm. that feats were like you can take a free feat at first level, or because you're an eldritch knight, you have this feat where you can use your sword as a arcane focus. I don't yeah. know. That's where that's where like there's weird muddy ground with them. Like oh, I took yeah. the actor feat. Oh, I took this one that lets me like do an extra ten damage for no reason. You're like what? So yeah. Yeah, I did take that one. That's yeah, there one. you go. <laughs> <laughs> if you min-max, and you can do some pretty min-maxy stuff if you really want to get can. into how high can I get my damage. And I think that's the fun of character creation. You know. Like, overall, yeah. I like feats a lot. So, uh, I wish they were a full part of the game, not a not an optional. I would love an expanded list. Um, I well, still think when they you should. Say that, when you say you yeah. want it to be a full part of the game, what do you mean? Like, that how, it's not optional. It's part of character creation. Feet okay, is right but, there in the beginning or somewhere. Everywhere that you've played is using it. So why do you want it to be declared full? Like, what will change about it that it will be when it's fully implemented? I guess I don't or, I could play. I could play with a DM who doesn't allow them at some point. Well, yeah, but what are you going to do? Like, that's any DM. Even if it was an official part of the game that dm could be like by the way i'm not allowing feats well here's what i think is i don't (laughs) think they created a lot of them because it's an optional part of the the, the game and i don't think they fine-tune them or put a ton of play testing into them because they called it an optional part of the game that's the answer i want they never expand you want wizards of the coast to like look at it as a main function of the it's game a main and refine tool, it in that balance yeah. it into it okay. make it part of every normal day that's what paizo does with you know a pathfinder 2e that's all part of it it's not yeah. like an optional it's this you know it's there it's part of creating your character and a way to make your character a little bit different than say somebody else who has maybe the same class as you okay um so yeah that's i can I get behind thinking. that you're right yeah just more design approach towards it. I think that's cool. Yeah. More options, but balanced options, play-tested options that fit within the game, you know, fit within the balance system that we possibly have. Um, and variety. I just like the variety of them. And they have been doing more and more of them, so it has been nice. I mean, the list, current list of feats is pretty big if you go through all of the, the different books and pull them all out and put yeah. them on a list these days compared to what's just in Player's Handbook at the moment. Correct. Um, so you can see if you're really concerned, because what I've seen on Twitter quite a bit is lots of talk about Mordekainen's book. You always talk about why can't I have it now, which is what you focus on so far. But everybody else has been focusing on. It's my D&D different. and I want it now. <laughs> yeah. What's in there that's different? What's this mean for the future? And that kind of stuff. There are five videos just in the last yeah. week up over on Dungeons and Dragons where uh, they, they kind of dive into um, Jeremy Crawford talks a little bit more about what's in there, design philosophies behind it, why it's going on. So if you want a little bit more in depth, look, 
you can go watch those videos yeah. too and get some insider information as well. Yeah, so uh and that those are Todd Kenrick videos. I don't think we touched yep. on this, but he is the new online content creator for Wizards of the Coast. Mm-hmm. Uh so I always I've been telling people I'm like, no, Todd Kenrick, he played the long game and he was like, you know, screw you fandom and then <laughs> went to the back seat and now he's making these videos. Uh and he's good at those conversational back and forth kind of videos that uh yeah. wizards has come to enjoy um yeah. and he had he had the he had the in because he knew all of like jeremy crawford and chris perkins and yeah stuff. and he had done, been doing it with D beyond exactly team, the same thing so he definitely has the practice so, understands it from start to finish and i watched i've watched uh these videos and they're they're fun and it is it is interesting to say like really the design philosophy behind it is they want to pull the stereotypes that the realms put on a lot of these uh uh races and things like that and make them generic enough so that people can utilize them however they want so if you want to have a planet of good yuanti who worship the all-loving snake mother you can um and that's kind of the idea and so i was like okay i can get behind that uh it's interesting and and I'm I'm really curious about like things like counterspell because the the monsters are changing that uh I'm now a wizard monster but I'm not casting spells I have abilities that do spell like effects and so uh it'll be it'll be interesting to see if the monsters are turned up to 11 or not um mm-hmm. wizards has a habit of making weak monsters uh wizards of the coast compared to other supplements like cobalt press i'm like these are great like oh these are so these are so difficult i love these monsters and then i go back to like wizards monsters and i'm like this is a little underpowered but (laughs) so yeah um i also noticed um that was about it for DD. we still don't know what books coming after netherdeep we don't know what the next non-critical role book would be besides Monsters of the Multiverse, which you can get now, but that's that's a recollection and a rewriting of yeah. previous material. I don't think they said there was anything new in it that hadn't appeared in print somewhere else. I don't think anybody's reported that. So Mordecai's manual kind of, of feats. That's what yeah, chat thinks what is coming up next. <laughs> that's what I need. <laughs> so we're still waiting to hear even a hint. We haven't had any of those talk shows lately at Wizards anymore. They don't do those anymore like they did last year with Kate Welch and, and all them where they would get on and they would give us teasers throughout the, the year. They've not been doing any of that. And there's a new um, Wizards lately. of the Coast uh, president or CEO. Did you hear that? Oh, no, I didn't hear that. Yeah, so uh, it's 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 some lady. I actually don't know much about it, but she's uh, she stepped up and she's the new. Because I think their CEO is now the CEO of Hasbro. Like Wizards was doing so well that they like shifted some people internally. So uh, I don't think this is going to change the direction of Wizards of the Coast anything. But right. yeah, okay. All right. So well, I have. Uh, we know in our show lately we've been doing uh, Lucian's kind of um, everybody take a drink. He's talking about Pathfinder. This is for we're this. doing some Pathfinder news. This is for yeah some of those fans out there that are like yes Pathfinder news. The one thing I did find, uh, I looked up a couple things. Beetles and Grimm's is working with Paizo. Um, I don't know if you looked at this. Link, they have in the past. They've been doing some books, uh, like fancy books as well. But did uh, they? Oh, I, I hadn't caught them. I, yeah, I no, the uh, not. It's not been on 
the the high radar and maybe it's because pathfinder 2 is is a little but they have been working with uh paizo for a little bit but these these books that you linked in the chat or not in the chat but linked in our notes look really cool (laughs) yeah i didn't even i it's basically like a comprehensive um diary or catalog that you could buy for your character and it has your rules for your class in it and the mm-hmm. things that you would need to know to play the game. But it also is page after page for you to write in your character sheet and your story and take your notes of the storyline that it was in. So like when it's done, like let's say you go through all of Dungeon of the Mad Mage, even though that's not Pathfinder, I get it. But my character start to finish for Dungeon of the Mad Mage, I could go through the whole thing catalog all of it yeah and then eventually put this on the shelf and i could always go back yeah. and look at this character and say oh that's right yeah you have the tome of the eric ranger whatever yeah fighter i thought it was uh, a really cool idea i'd not seen is. anybody do this and and the books i put the link in the chat if you guys are curious but they also come with a, a dry erase board because that's really good mm-hmm. to like write uh spell slots and things like that and so it is just a, a way to you know and you could do that yourself like you could. But like, I have look. books like this that I'm writing yeah. stuff in all the time. But yeah. uh, to, I mean, these look really nice. And they're professional. Yeah. And they've got, like, a big glyph. And it says, like, clerical tome of whatever. And yeah. uh, I, I would definitely be interested in this if I was mm-hmm. if I was playing in a very, like, serious campaign. And I knew we were going to go at least ten levels in some direction. Mm-hmm. Then it would be like, this would be a fun investment. to Yeah, or to a, a character you knew you wanted to remember the details like yeah. a character you knew you were going to play for a long time you liked them enough for me for you i would think it would be like your josh a character would be oh, yeah. really good josh is the best character for, for this one you know like and for me like vanguard or con which are the two i played through either two oh. annihilation or con is like just going so good right now uh dungeon of the mad mage is just such a great character and this to have a book to catalog that whole thing would just be really fun and cool. So and I think this I, I also comes cool back product. to my love of props. And mm-hmm. this just feels like a prop, even though it's a tool yeah. that you're using, but it, I, I love yeah. it. So yeah, cool. they look really nice and they've got like uh they fake leather, but it's all, uh, mm-hmm. and then the ribbons and stuff within it. It's super cool. High quality. Definitely. It's out on Paizo.com. So you can definitely go get it. Even if I didn't put my link in chat, but um, just Paizo.com. It's right on the front page and you can go right to, them working with Beatles and Grimm. The other thing I went and checked Nexus for us all, because I know some of us are interested in what Nexus is doing. Nexus is right now partnered with Paizo to do the Pathfinder 2E full kind of, you know, same thing that we're doing with D&D Beyond, basically that same kind of virtual tabletop and all the tools and things that you need. I wanted to see if there was any updates. I didn't see anything too much yet here in January and February. It looks all pretty much the same. You can get most of the 2E books that are the rule books there unlocked, and you can buy them. The website is up in a free kind of format to just check it out and look at monsters and magic yeah. items. Yeah, go make a and... go make a free account, because I did, and I was, like, perusing around. And they're, they're also trying to do a scheduling service, which I thought was kind of mm-hmm. interesting, where you can... Um, like say, hey, I've I've got a game. I need players, or hey, I'm looking for this type of game, and you can rate yourself as a dungeon master for, I really like story, or I really like combat, or I use mm-hmm. this virtual tabletop, you know. And I'm assuming at some point they're going to want to have their own virtual tabletop that they're going to use, and so yeah, yeah, I think it's coming. And then the other thing I saw on their page, supposedly coming this year, we will see, 
is they partnered with World of Darkness to bring all of the World of Darkness books in, and Free League is now listed there too as yeah. coming soon. Yep, and that's so uh, we love Free League books. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I saw sure. on Nexus. Um, those were my Paizo news. Right now in February, the things that are releasing are mostly Adventure Path stuff, and it's not till we get into March that another rules book comes out. So interesting. Keep an eye on that. Cool. That's the news. Did is that uh is that MacBook out for Starfinder? I thought so. Okay, yeah. I was trying to remember. I wanted to read that to see how yeah, how well, I guess I should read Starfinder first. But mm-hmm. uh somebody on Twitter was like, "Do you ever just read tabletop RPGs for fun?" I saw this. And I quoted yeah. and retweeted it and I'm, I'm like, like, "That's 90% of my free time reading is just like, oh, a game book. I'll go like read this. I'm yeah. never going to play it." But anyway, I was thinking about that because I I was really curious how you could go from uh like how much does the game shift from I'm going to play my Starfinder character to like now I'm using that character in a mech area, you know. Cuz yeah. yeah, so I was I want to I like that because I like mechs a lot. I think that would be I think fun. it'd be, I'd love mechs. I buy all the games that are mechs. Speaking of that, you weren't here. I got to tell Danimal about it. He didn't seem as uh, into it as I was. <laughs> I was read through all of the quick start rules of Homeworld Revelations TTRPG. Oh, yeah. They, they released it. And boy, does that look good. Really? 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 Okay. Yeah, if you're into, if you're a Homeworld fan, which is a video any, game, PC game from like real time strategy 2000? in space. Yeah. yeah, I don't even remember a long time ago. Um, cool. But what they're doing is the storyline starts you out with the deserts of Karak. Okay. Storyline. So if any of you have played the game, you might have realized that the first couple of expansions were all space based mothership real-time strategy game but eventually they put out one where it had crash landed on a planet and you did a yeah. real-time strategy on a desert that's planet. right I, that was the one i didn't play because i Deserts played homeworld one and two and that was the third one yeah you okay play it i should it's really good i'll go i'll go uh, look you it up probably on pick it up uh, it's <laughs> super cheap they're gonna the first um adventure they put in there is you are doing something right from that that storyline which is nice. super cool I love the it's a 2D20 system, just like the Star Trek Adventures um, okay. game is um, from Modifius. And um, I liked all the rules I've been seeing. It was really interesting. It had me really excited. And this is why I asked you about Da Vinci, because I thought about doing a deep dive series on breaking down the different rule parts and making little videos based on character creation, um, combat rules, role play rules. Yeah. world lore and just break it down for anybody that kind of wanted to to get into this and and try to explain it a little bit better if, if just reading the quick starts not getting you there so it's it's one of these little projects i wrote on my notepad that maybe i'll get to that oh it'd be cool to have like a little mini series four or five videos explaining this quick start guide so that you can yeah. play it and really get into it so that's really cool is i was it, excited you should get it it's free to download yeah is it uh it modifius right yeah yeah so the free rules are on modifius.com mm-hmm. i assume um are are you is it like uh star trek adventures where you're a crew or is it more of an individual? Like, how would you explain the class? You are an and individual, and they do have ship combat rules so that when you are in ships, you can fight. 
so there's fighters and remember in the game you're so excited because you send your miners out but then you're creating your scout fighters your you know your tactical fighters you're sending out your frigates you're then you're building your your destroyers and your assault frigates and all that mm-hmm. they have rules for all of that kind of battle but you're basically a person walking around yeah, your boots yeah. on the ground in this world so it's more about being in that world than it is about I have 25 ships and we're battling. Yeah, yeah. You, they do have yeah. rules for ship combat and stuff. And in the adventure, they put in a ship combat where you're trying to leave the planet with something and a ship is trying to chase you and shoot you down. Nice. So very, I think it's very much like Star Trek. You're a crew. You're different people that are, um, you know, investigating. To me, the storylines that would work great with this are a lot about archaeological kinds of stories going to places because you heard a rumor there might be something there and then digging around or trying to find something or searching and then you do find it um and then storylines of you're about to be wiped out and there's a bigger entity that does everything they can to wipe you out and the minute they know where you are they come in like gangbusters right Mm. so you're always hiding you're always stealthing away you're always trying to build enough power that you can't be knocked out that kind of storyline, I think, would be great for this. And and PTRPG. it's a, like it is a it is a fun world that has a lot of history. But I think it's something that people don't know. Like there's there's fans mm-hmm. of home of Homeworld, but even I don't think I would know all of the species and stuff. This would be a really fun generic sci fi world to play in. Yeah, I think too. You know. Yeah, um, I mean, and the artwork is fantastic. Yeah, well, it really reminds me of the tales from the loop kind of stuff <laughs> yeah. and. I love it. I love the angularness of it. I love the ship construction. I love all of it. So, well, I'm, I'm gonna, in. I'll go check it out. Sounds cool. Yeah, very cool. All right. Uh, well, talking points. Game. What are you thinking? We're towards the end of our show. You didn't play very many. games. I didn't play any games. If you want to talk to us about Dungeon of the Mad Mage, go right ahead. Um, it's been go get. Yeah, I mean, we what, talked what about it a lot. Last PvP. Week. What is this? Yes. <laughs> what's going on here? This is D&D, not PGP. Right. Well, what's happened is there has become a big rivalry. If you remember from last week's show, for those of you who were here, Jordan wasn't, so I'll re- refresh him. Oh, thank you. We talked quite a bit about Danimal is running two parties through the same module. His home party is a couple floors ahead of us and they were like a month or two ahead of us starting the module and we're right behind them, my party. So he has two physical parties running the same module doing all the same kinds of stuff. Um, I had him confirm, are we in the same timeline? And in his head, what he has said, his canon is <clears throat> everything outside of Dungeon of the Mad Mage, we're in the same timeline in the same world. But when we step into Dungeon of the Mad Mage, we're stepping into a multiverse of dungeons of the mad mage by halister like halister has created this magical version of it and there's a million slivers of it and so when you're we go you're in, in your own mad we're dungeon in our own and they're in their own dungeon mage. so yeah but when we go back to Waterdeep, we're all in Waterdeep. we could meet up in Waterdeep. this has caused the two groups to start talking trash to each other and who can do what better and who can live better and who's better fighting at stuff to the point that there might actually be a PvP happening between the two groups. At some point, uh, we're trying to talk Danimal into letting us fight. They're higher level, but they have one less person in their party. We have one more person in our party, but we're lower level. 
And they watch the show pretty religiously, our show. So they know everything we can do in all of our characters. We don't know anything about theirs. So that's the big PvP that's brewing <laughs> for this Dungeon of the Bad uh, I don't know. The... It just reminds me of war games where the only winning move is not to play when it talks yes, about PvP. Yeah. But... Well, I, me and, Dun- and Danimal were talking about it. He's like, he's he's worried because he in something like this, people can get a little overexcited, right? Yeah. Anytime you go a little competitive, anytime you get a little over uh, amplified in your emotions, he because he doesn't want to do it. He wants everybody to have fun. He wants everybody to take it to be fun. Then he's willing to do it. But he, do, he doesn't want to sacrifice, you know, the groups being mad at each other, not being a fun experience all yeah. of a sudden because somebody got too competitive or somebody started to be an asshole or something, you know, which could happen. You know, you never know when you get into that heated moment. So hopefully it'll happen. <clears throat> hopefully our guys take it good heartedly. Um, they've got a strong, high level team. Um, just to give you an idea for those of you that want to theory craft a little bit of this. They've got a, as far as I know, they've got a monk. Are you scouting out the competition here? They watch our show. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes we are. They have a monk, a warlock, a cleric, tempest cleric, and a rogue. Mm, The psychic knife rogue. Oh, soul soul cleric. yeah. um, The genie warlock, I think. The noble, the noble warlock, I think is what it's called. Noble genie, yeah, patron, yeah. And then the monk, I don't remember what subclass he is, but apparently he's he's pretty tough. Our team is the arcane archer, twilight cleric, me, the fighter barbarian, warforge, the wizard, straight wizard, <laughs> cleric. <coughs> and artificer we have one more person than they do they are at level 13 we are at level 11 so if any of you are out there theory crafting all that through your head that's the thing that we've all been thinking about for the last two weeks is how do we beat some level 13s with the stuff that they have available to them and we're lower level they also have some pretty strong magic items because danimal loves to give his groups strong magic items almost to the point they're probably a little overpowered Hmm. both of us both of our teams are really but i don't know i think i think it's gonna come down to dice rolls would you run a pvp game like if you took your hot springs island group and your your home group with your wife and the people that played at your table and you were like okay guys make your characters and we're gonna have them fight in a cool little arena thing do you think you would do a little pvp i i've wanted to uh and uh nathan dm nathan is is watching the show here but specifically i've wanted him to run uh a pvp for me and jason like i want i want to our, our <laughs> one of our players him. jason i've been <laughs> wanting to like smash him in like a my we warlock's better down. than your wizard or something but yeah. it when the rules are not there in place uh it i don't know i really it always just comes down to to you i don't know i, I yes i've always been curious but i don't think it would work um yeah. 
And I don't think so, it'll be as fun as you think it will be. Yes. And that's that's the other thing is I don't I don't think it'll be fun. And especially yeah. characters that you're invested in, you never want to be like, well, I, I'm I like failed this. Like if we were just building yeah. characters to then like fight each other, that would be yeah. a fun test. Uh, because it's like, what are you gonna make? I don't know, what are you gonna make? Kind of thing. Because then you don't care about these characters, but uh the way you're talking in this instance, they have magic items, they have stories, they have all this other stuff. And then to like come come at the end and be like, well, I don't know, like I, I failed this or something. I don't know. <laughs> I I don't think I would want to know that, you know, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to know if I would win against somebody else <laughs> or something, but and as a DM it would be it would be uh probably well I was gonna say it was be difficult, but as a DM it would probably be pretty easy. Because it kind of DMs itself. Like, I attack you. Okay. What's your armor? Okay. Mm-hmm. You know? And, yeah. like, do a saving throw. And, really, they would have to just have the conversation, you know, the, the... I'm assuming two players fighting. But we all know that 2D combat is the only honorable combat. And we... I I can't get this 3D terrain D&D dice rolling combat. No. it's all. It always comes back to um, King of Fighters. So... Eric Hoker, man, get, get, get up high. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, I, I think I have done, um, we did one in Revenor where we did this session where the, uh, a God challenged the party to show their worthiness and to show that they were worthy. They had to fight each other to see who was the strongest. And he put them in an arena and he went, there was, there was like, six of them and two fought two then two you know and we went through the whole little tournament one-on-one kind of tournament thing with very little terrain just a tiny bit enough to to do a little bit but not much and you know some classes fared better than other classes in that kind of thing some people have better abilities for that type of thing and everybody i think had a fairly good time but it it wasn't the best thing like and they wanted to do it every single episode after that like it was so good that this is all we should do so <laughs> never think, yeah <laughs> yeah never think that that's going to take the place of the regular fun of the play it could be fun to bring it in and what they found out um after this sequence happened with the god is that really they were just fighting replicas that the god had created of their friend and they would have to fight their friend and at the end of it they were all alive again they could all move on and they could the god mm. um agreed that they were worthy to continue and take this quest on to save yeah. you know the world kind of thing um so it was just kind of fun in that context but i think you got to be very careful with it you got to be it could go bad very quickly it could be something that's not fun and could turn people off of playing if they get too competitive, they get too attached to their character and something happens. Like I, I could just imagine if, if you're running it and I'm fighting your wife's character and I shoot her dog, we're uh, automatically not having fun. Well, <laughs> at that point, a real life chair will fly across the room right. at your head. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So you got to take it, you know, be, be cognizant of what you're you going to do with your party. And mechanically it's difficult though. Like I, I ran, all of my players uh, went up to a, a mirror once and then mm-hmm. their doppelgangers walked out of the mirror and we had a big fight of like them fighting themselves. And in my mind, I'm like, this is going to be so cool. But at the table, it was so complicated because mm-hmm. you had like magic items and all this other weird stuff. And like mm-hmm. uh, it, it gets a little that's why I think one on one could be fun. Like, you know, like 
Josh A versus Eric Okra, mm-hmm. uh, Ka or whatever. But Calm. Yeah. like, I I don't a, a big group match versus a big group match. I I pulled my hair out trying to DM that, so I don't think that would be <laughs> as much fun. But yeah, so I don't know. I uh, I and wish... don't do it. Um, theater of the mind. I don't think you save, can yeah. save your no. That'll mess it all up. You have to have it on a virtual tabletop, or you have to have it at your house. Because I have to know down. exactly your everybody in range has of this. to know. Yeah, yeah everybody so. has to know. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, we've got a siren. It's the first of the month. What's that telling us? Uh, it's telling us that it's eleven or it's time to go. Well, it's eleven o'clock my time. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to point out really quick though. Um, I did a review of. Weird Frontiers for Dungeon Crawl Classics, which is a Wild West um, version of Dungeon Crawl Classics set in the Weird West. And they sent me uh, dice. Like, the guys were just like, hey, thanks for the review. And they sent me, like, Cthulhu-y dice. Um, So these are some fun uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics dice that they sent me. Uh, And I just want to, like, shout out to them. They're really cool guys. They wrote a really fun game. Uh, and if you like weird Western stuff, um, it the art, everything's really cool about it. So, I love uh, weird Western stuff. Soon to be a hardback, which I want to buy. Uh, but right now, it's this, like, 900-page PDF. And I'm like, you need to split that into three books ASAP. Because that is way <laughs> too many. Uh, this was fun. This was a good show. It's good to be back. We will be back, of course, next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. Um, anything else before we take off, sir? That's it. We're deep into February. There's lots of snow here. I'm ready for winter to be over. I don't know where it is. That will be nice. Time zone or time or country. Uh, if you're in the depths of winter, I wish you luck because I'm tired of snow blowing and doing all that. I'm ready for spring and summer. I can tell spring? you. Oh, Gen Con. Yeah. I got my tickets. Cool. Mine got turned over. So I am officially at this point going to be doing Gen Con. Awesome. I applied for my press badge. I'll hear back. Uh, about it um but i've gotten the the last like two times so i'm assuming i'm gonna get it again but we'll see uh and that is on my to-go list uh pending the world not being on fire so we'll see the next deadline i think is in february keep an eye on your emails because that's when they open up the housing lottery you could get lucky if you get that um i'm hoping to get lucky this year i've never gotten lucky in any of the years i've gone i've gotten the dregs but maybe this year I'll get lucky. So, so we'll I'll see. keep everybody posted on that. Excellent. We'll be back next week, guys. Uh, thank you so much for watching and take care.